does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Good Monday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Sam Fritz coming at you on this December 26th. We've talked a lot about the Colts and Chargers tonight. That is Monday night football. That's 8.15. 8 o'clock tonight, we have the Pacers and the Pelicans from New Orleans. So that wraps up a three-game road trip. The Pacers did come back um, from Miami uh, and so they, they weren't on the road for three straight. But um, we talked about it late last week. This is one of the tougher three-game stretches that you'll find at Boston, at Miami. The Pacers win those in really entertaining fashion. Back-to-back wins there for the first time in over a month. And now they've got the Pelicans tonight. And it sounds like Zion Williamson will play out of health and safety protocols. I, I didn't know that was still a thing, Jake. I honestly did not either. When I saw that he was out, really? Um yeah. But it does sound like he's going to give it a go. But he – obviously, he's a dynamic player for them and a, a big part of what they do. But, you know, look, the Pelicans have some good players aside from just Zion Williamson. Um, so, it'll be a good challenge for Indiana to try to get their third straight before coming back here and then getting four straight at home. Atlanta, Cleveland, the Clippers, and Toronto uh, between tomorrow night and the start of the new year. Clippers is that matinee game, right? The New Year's Eve matinee game? Uh, that is correct. Three o'clock start. Um, to find out more about the Pacers and really, again, one of the more impressive back-to-back wins, uh, certainly of the season, um, Tony East joins us now, writes for the Pacers for Forbes and SI.com. Do want to get a lot into that Miles Turner contract situation, but Tony, l- let's go back to Boston and Miami. Um, you know, what Tyrese Halliburton did at the end of really the start of the Boston game and what he did in that Miami game, that's just another gear and another level that to be honest with you, I didn't know he had. I don't think uh, anybody knew he had it right. Like, he's only scored more than 30, three, four times his whole career before last week, a couple of those coming with the Kings. Like, that was the first time he has been the dude two games in a row. And not only did he do it, right, scoring a bunch of points, like 24 shots he took in Boston. That's the most he's taken in one game in his entire career entering this week. Then he had the huge game, of course, like you just said, in Miami, 43, his career high, 10 threes, a Pacers record. Like, that's the kind of gear that no one has ever seen from him before. So coming after, of course, Wally Zerbiak's comments, coming after his one-point game against the Heat, you know, 11 days before that, coming off of, you know, the team blowing a couple games in the clutch, the Pacers, of course, would lo- love to see that gear come up and allow them to get two wins against huge teams. Tony, let's get into what Kevin and I talked about earlier, and that is – the news about Miles Turner, I, I've said all along, I mean, it wasn't overly surprising to me that Indiana, this doesn't mean obviously that anything's concrete, but that they have begun exploratory talks with Miles Turner about an extension. Um, where do you, th- excuse me, I'm about to sneeze. Where do you think things stand on that? And were you surprised by that report? Not really because of how 
this season has gone. Um, they're they're uniquely positioned, right? It's very rare that a team with a really good veteran under contract like this also has a lot of cap space to do what the the reporting suggests, which is this renegotiation extension type of thing, where they could literally just up his salary this season. Like that is extremely unique and rare in the NBA. I think the last player it happened to was Robert Covington with the Sixers over a half decade ago. Like it almost never happens, and so. The fact that the Pacers are in a position where that is possible is already, uh, you know, kind of a, oh, maybe this is something they should explore. And it comes at the same time that, you know, Turner in, in November specifically played the best basketball of his career, has been, you know, less consistent this month, but still pretty good. And it fits very well with their two, you know, core players, Benedict Mather and Tyrese Halbert, both 22 or younger, and Turner fits well with them on the floor. He's shown that he could be, you know, an interior big when they need him to be. That's been a part of his renaissance. Like, a lot of the boxes he would have had to check before the season for the Pacers to say, yeah, you know, it makes sense for us to keep him as our center of the future. He has checked them, and it also helps that they're 17 and 16. It's not like they're extending him on a team that isn't going anywhere this year or is floundering. Like, they look like a capable, competent basketball team. So all the factors kind of overlap perfectly for this sort of to happen and and he's played well and the team has played well the finances make sense so it's not surprising to me given all of that happening at the same time you know in, in November I talked about this possibility just because he was playing so well it felt like something that needed to be discussed and they're uniquely positioned as literally them and the Spurs would be the only teams in the league that this is even allowed for their salary cap situation the Spurs are bad like it's very rare that a good team has enough space to do something like this and that's why it you know, always made sense that it would be an option, even though that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. Okay, let's get a little deeper into that, Tony. And again, Tony East joins us here, Forbes.com, SI.com. Um, you know, basically, would this be a heavily front-loaded extension? Um, I guess that's kind of part one. Part two, what would be the reason for the Turner camp wanting to sign this extension? Yeah, it can be heavily front-loaded, right? The way it works is, effectively, the Pacers just give Miles some of the money out of their cap space. This season, it just ups his salary. And in exchange, right, they wouldn't just give him more money this year but for nothing in return. They would add years onto the future part of his contract, and that can be, you know, close to how much he gets in a raise this year. That could be – it could drop as much as 40% from whatever his salary becomes this year. It's not worth getting too nitty-gritty, but, you know, the the, the – the report in the athletic lays out that they could raise his salary as high as $37 million this season, right? Which sounds crazy, but remember, it's, it, you know, it's not like they're going to use that money on anything else. Then they could drop it down to $22 million next year, right? Drop it by 40%. And that's what, you know, about what his market value would be in free agency, for example. And then the raises would only be like $1.1 million per year if they dropped it that far. It, 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 I'm getting too into the weeds here. But, you know, it could end up being something where it's like a four-year extension with $115 million in new money, which is a little rosy, but then they get to extend him in a way. And the reason this makes sense is they are now giving him more money than they could on a veteran extension and more money than other teams maybe could. Well, also, that, that's how it makes sense for Turner, right? If you go back to last free agency or last offseason, right, the, someone asked him before free agency, hey, do you have any advice for Jalen Smith? He's a free agency. And he said, get your money, young man. You know, like that, that's a way some NBA players think. And if Miles Turner thinks he can get – the most money with the Pacers and it's a situation he already likes. That's where this makes sense for him. Whereas any other type of extension with another team, it would, you know, he could get more money in free agency. That wouldn't make sense for him. So this makes sense for him. 
from finance financially, especially if he would, is wanting to stay with the Pacers. And it makes sense for the Pacers because they're uniquely positioned to be able to do something like this. Tony, do you believe that Miles Turner's skill set and what he brings to the table is equally coveted or needed with other franchises like it has been catered towards in Indiana? Uh, sort of. The defensive side, absolutely, right? Like, the defensive bigs are so valuable in the NBA these days. Like, if you can't shoot or defend as a big in the NBA, you're basically worth worthless to a lot of teams these days, right? You have to be able to do something well. That's why Rudy Gobert just went for what felt like the moon, even though he, you know, he, he's not that talented of an offensive player, right? That's why shooting bigs get minutes regardless of what situation they're in. But that said, you know, the rebounding hasn't always been there. Turner has never played in a second round playoff game. Like there's a lot of question marks about what that can be for, you know, other teams, contending teams, depending on the, the situation for the rest of the roster. But there's a lot of context missing from what the Pacers have been during his career. So I would say, yeah, I think a lot of teams do value him, right? There's a reason that there's always interest in him and how he can fit other teams. And the fact that he can shoot as a big man and is one of the best shooting bigs in the league is certainly very valuable for a lot of teams and the defense is very valuable as well, but there's a lot of also question marks given again, you know, the rebounding has never really been consistent, right? That's what's been sinking the Pacers in the clutch in a lot of recent games. And the fact that he's not played a second round playoff game in his career, like all that stuff has to matter to other teams. Again, it's at T East NBA on Twitter. Tony East is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We're chatting about uh, the report from the Athletic over the weekend of contract negotiations opening up between Miles Turner and the Pacers. Again, the trade deadline not till uh, I guess what about six weeks away, kind of mid February on that front. Um, Tony, I don't feel it to the degree I feel about paying running backs in the NFL. But paying big guys in the NBA makes me a little nervous. Um, should I be nervous on that front? Yeah, it, uh, yes and no. <laughs> you know, it, it can get you really tied up if they're not the right center for your team. And um, you know, the, the reason they, that that gets tossed out so much is, like, it feels like centers get a lot of, like, can be replaceable at times, right? Uh, there's a lot of them out there, and teams just continue to find a way to get production from the big man position like if you can rebound and make hustle plays you can give a team good minutes off the bench you know like and the, the only bigs that get the max money these days it feels like are your Jokic's, your Gobert's, your Embiid's right your playoff series changing type of bigs there's not a lot of these middle class kind of NBA bigs that make in that 20 million range but you know, I, I think that around the league like the Knicks just paid Mitchell Robinson 16 million per year this offseason that's worked out really well for them. He's been huge for them defensively. He was really good for them, especially if you watched them yesterday against the Sixers on Christmas in the first half. Uh, you know, Yusuf Nurkic got $18 million per year with, with the Blazers. They've been on a surprising start because he's a good, been good on the interior. You know, it, it's when you get to, to overpaying like a bench big, I think, is where the, the issue becomes in the NBA. Like, you, there's a million ways to get quality bench big depth in the NBA. There's veterans out there who you know, aren't even on a team right now. That makes it scary. But I think if you provide the right fit and skill set for a team, those guys are just as valuable as any position, quite frankly. Tony, how much of this – and I I guess I'll throw my answer at you before I ask you the question. I, I don't think it's this much, but how much of this news or the intrigue about doing something long-term with Turner is because they don't feel like Isaiah Jackson slash Jalen Smith slash, slash Goga Batadze – can be a 75-game-a-night starter at the five position? 
that certainly has to be something they consider, right? Like they just moved Jalen Smith to the second unit five. Isaiah Jackson's not playing. Dogobatade's not playing. Like these are guys they've drafted in the last four years, top 21 picks for you know all those guys, and they're not even in the rotation right now. It makes a sense given what the team looks like, but you know if they had belief these guys could start next year, maybe Smith could, right? He's done well. He's better at the five than the four, certainly, and I think that's part of why he got moved to the bench, but if they had more faith in him, I think there'd be more opportunities than there have, but yeah, I think that certainly is a factor that they, there are question marks for them at the five position. They have too many now, and they can't even play all of them on a given night, right? So that, that certainly is a factor. And Turner's still young enough that you could consider him part of their timeline now that they're a little better, right? If they were still kind of floundering at the expectations people had for them before the season, right? If they had 10, 11 wins right now, for example, it would not make as much sense to hold on to an eight-year veteran. But because they're they're over 500, right, they, they kind of need like a capable big if they want to continue to be that level of team. It doesn't look like they have it outside of turning on their team. So the easiest way to, to get that guy is to keep the one you already have. How covered is Buddy Heald league-wide? Yeah, that was that, quietly buried in that, you know, Miles Turner report. Last paragraph, Trani, Shams Trani wrote that, you know, rival teams are ex- expressing interest in Buddy Heald. And uh, I think he has come to Indiana and sort of shown that, you know, that there was the, not the best fit between him and Sacramento, but in other situations with other franchises, he can be more of a positive presence, both on and off the court, right? Like, of course, his relationship with Halliburton being a positive is why part of what makes him so valuable in Indiana, but he's been good here. Like he's been better on the glass. He's passed the ball better. He's been more willing to, you know, take it to the cup than he was with the Kings. Obviously he's been top four in three pointers made five seasons in a row. That's a crazy stat. Like that is a very good shooter in a league where shooting is super valuable. Like that alone is going to make you interesting to a lot of contending teams. And quite frankly, given his skill set, he would be better on a contender than, you know, a 500 team, right? Like all these shooters that go to, you know, like think about Malcolm Brogdon. He was playing off of Giannis when the Bucks were contending. He was a knockdown shooter, right? And that, that percentage dropped in Indiana where he didn't have as much gravity around him, right? With Buddy Hill, I think if he's on a contending team with another superstar with all taking all this defensive attention, right, he's going to make – 40 to 45% of his threes, like that's so valuable. He's going to be so efficient that it allows him to make up for even more of his defensive issues. So he, I think he's pretty valuable, to, especially to contending teams, especially now that it's kind of, you know, moved past some of the attitude rep issues that he had with the Kings. And he's been, you know, nothing but a positive presence, at least for all accounts uh, here in Indy. Halliburton loves him. You know, calls him the big brother, said their relationship has grown a lot since – those early days in Sacramento. Again, Tony, Tony East is with us here, um, covers Pacers for Forbes, SI, uh, locked on Pacers. Always a great listen with Tony. Um, I, I do want to go back to Halliburton for just just a second, but one more kind of on the Turner healed trade front. Um, would it be too short-sighted, too narrow-focused for the Pacers to look at their situation right now and say, oh, no. This is great. We're overachieving. We're exceeding expectations. We're going to keep Turner and Heald. Would that lose sight of what was the true goal entering this season and a missed opportunity in getting future assets outside of the three first-round picks, two very late, by the way, uh, that are coming in next year's draft? I think so. You know, it's not. I don't think being five a 500 team should be enough to really influence your thinking entering a season. I think I understand if they wanted to, you know, make trades that push their timeline forward a little bit now, but I don't think that they should be a team that 
is thinking about really short-term kind of stuff just because they are 17 and 16 at Christmas, for example. And I'd understand keeping Hill this year. Right? They don't have to trade him. His contract doesn't expire. He helps the team, right? That, that's fine. They have more time to decide on that. But Turner specifically, if there's no extension and no trade, I think that would just be a massive mistake. Like, they have to figure out what their options are on both fronts. And it, even with this new tool that they have or that has come out, they're negotiating at least or whatever, the, the perfect phrasing is with him and the extension. Sure. Sure. They can negotiate and be open to it all they want. If they can't agree to something like I still feel like they have to trade him. He's on an expiring deal. It's just what makes the most sense. They can't lose him for nothing. Turner said that himself on that podcast he did with ESPN. Like all of this stuff matters a lot to the team. And, and the Pacers said this summer, look, we have this new long-term approach to team building. We're not thinking year to year anymore. You know, do it, saying that and then entering the year and not trading Turner would be very surprising to me. And I feel like, or not, 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 not just trading him, but or extending him. You know, thinking long term. I still feel like that's what's the best for the team, given how their start has gone. Last one for me, Tony. I, I thought you had a great um, tweet. I forget if it was Miami or Boston game that Tyrese Halliburton does a wonderful job of manipulating defenders with his eyes. I know that sounds a bit nerdy, and I say that as a compliment, by the way. But it's almost kind of like a quarterback looking off a safety. Like Halliburton gets up in the air, and for 98% of basketball players, that's like the biggest no-no. But his basketball IQ is so through the roof that he makes the right play time, time, you know, 99.9% of the of the time there. I, I thought that was a great comment. Halliburton is just, he's really such a savant out there and how he handles it and knows where he wants to go with the basketball. Yeah, the play that made me made me put that out there that it was in the Boston game. They had this, this transition play where he's running up the floor and he jumps in the air and he's staring at Buddy Heald in the corner. And Jalen Brown is guarding Andrew Nembard under the basket. And Jalen Brown looks and sees he's looking at Buddy Heald and just runs out to the corner to defend Buddy Heald. And Halliburton in the air, not even looking at Jalen Brown, just throws the ball under to a now wide open Andrew Nembard for a layup. And it's like, you don't see that in the NBA that much. And I, I, the quarterback was what I was actually thinking about. Like you hear about all the time about, you know, looking off the safety and making him take a step away or what, what, I, you know, you know, you know, my football uh, relationship, Kevin, but uh, you know, it's so impressive to see him do that sort of stuff. And, and he did it a lot this week. Like he's done it with the Pacers a few times this season, but he did it a bunch against Boston to get guys away. He did it against the heat a few times to manipulate the defense. Like that's really hard to do because you still have to know where your teammates are and, Sometimes it looks like it's just flashy, and you know maybe maybe it is on occasion. I think he had one uh, in, in their final home game uh, against the Knicks that was a little bit just for the flashiness. But when, when it works like it does, where it's actually making defenders defend you differently, I think that's when it's extra valuable and just kind of shows his ability to throw his teammates open and be that kind of player. At T East NBA on Twitter, you can read. Tony East work involving the Pacers, SI Pacers, Forbes Sports, Locked On Pacers, a number of different areas. And when you talk about Forbes, you're talking about money. And Tony, uh, Kevin is tempted to go ahead and cash in his winnings from placing the over-under at 30 wins for the Pacers on the season. He is almost 60% of the way there. He, you feel confident, Tony, right, that at this point he gets to 30? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, yeah. The over-under in, in a lot of sports books was like 24 and a half. I think 30. Uh, you're good to go, especially if they're going to remain 500 for a while. Man, come on, geez. pretty impressive. Jeez, man. Well, I'm telling just you. throwing that out there on December 26th? But here's the thing, Kev. They get New Orleans tonight. Let's say they don't get that. But then Atlanta, Cleveland, Clippers, Toronto. They should get three or four at home, right? Gosh, Surely. Stop. Tony, stop. Merry Christmas, man. Appreciate it. Merry Christmas, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Tony. Those three I was trying to look. Home. I'm trying to look up right now what the new over-under win total would be. I'll bet it's got to be 38. High 30s? Yeah, 38, 40. I mean. Now, Sam Sam Fritz, what's this picture you got of me on the chair? Uh, well, the you know, I spilled a, a little bit of water on the seat. I decided to make sure to create no safety hazard, <laughs> make sure everybody was covered, you know. You know, we could actually – I could just put my laptop in the screen and your seat, Kevin, and, and people will see you. Right? Yeah, that yeah, that is a great point. Let's see I, if that certainly... works. Hang on, just a second. All right, Hang I on. thought the joke was hilarious, so I, it I, is pretty I really good. wanted. Actually, the, the little slippery when wet thing is not bad. I wanted to even it's... take it so far as to say that's why Kevin had to be in Florida. I mean, it was a whole deal. I had a whole tight five minutes of comedy prepared. I, I, I this is some impressive engineering by Jake if he makes this work here. This is just brilliant radio, by now, the way. If this works the way for I those that don't know, by the way, I am down in Florida uh, with my in-laws here for the week. It'll be you'll have to angle my, the camera down. Myself and Jake tomorrow, and then Mark Dykton and Jake Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. This is great is this radio. Working? I realize what we're trying to do for the YouTube stream is show. So we have I have Kevin on. Um, there we go. Can you see? Can you see yourself now? Oh, yeah. The, the marvels of technology. Look at this. It took an hour and 49 minutes for us to figure this out, but p- basically Kevin is now sitting exactly in his seat, and I can see him. No offense to Sam Fritz's caution slippery when wet sign, which was decent, actually, the little guy on there, but there you are. Now, are you fully charged here with the laptop? I'm a little nervous that this could just, you know, crap out of the 9 o'clock hour. I'm plugged in assuming that this outlet actually works. We don't, we don't know for certain that that, that were, you know what I mean? 4 student Jake Query on display right here <laughs> with all of us. Uh, I didn't even now, own a laptop the, until I got this job. I guess the only issue now is I can't really see you, but we'll figure out our hand signals coming up with Matt Taylor. Oh, and, and Well, I can just kind of see in the distance. What You're about, a little what blurry. Can you see here? Yeah, okay. a, yeah, a little bit. Well, we'll, we'll figure it out. What about on the YouTube uh, stream? Can you see me in the YouTube stream, or is that is that delayed? I think it's on a slight delay just based off me waving to the YouTube audience out there. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in on this Monday morning. Uh, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joins us in 10. All right, tonight it is Monday night football, 8-15 inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Again, the Chargers favored by four and a half. They win, and they are in. They got a lot of help this weekend. Uh, the Colts, they almost got – Boy, I don't know if anybody stayed up late. I was on the flight down here watching Cardinals and Bronc or uh, Cardinals and Bucks last night. If the Cardinals would have held on and won that game, the Colts would have been up to fourth in the draft position. 
Um, but Tom Brady, a little magic late, so fifth in the draft order for the Colts heading into tonight. And to talk more about the matchup, Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, joins us. Mate, I hope uh, you and the fam had a great Christmas. We did. We did indeed. It was, uh, it was a great day. It was a, it was a very fun day. Um, just, just worn out watching the kids play with all their new stuff, man. It was a, it was a really, really great day. Where, where are you at? Are you not in well, town? I, I am down. Uh, my in-laws, we, we come down to uh, Marco Island. Are you familiar? You, you're, a, you're, you're a Florida guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Joe, yeah. We fly to Fort Myers just about an hour south of there. Oh, beautiful. That's awesome. What's, uh, it's got to be better than here in terms of temperature right now. I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> as much anyway. It is, a, again, you will hear no complaints because I know full well what I just <laughs> left. It is a balmy 57 for a high today uh. down here. But nonetheless, well, I know it's going to warm up. Later yeah. in the, what, what was the big present hit in the Taylor household this Christmas? Um, well, from for my daughter, she got you know the um, she got the the dolls that she wanted. Um, you know, for for those that are privy to this, I don't expect you guys to know it. I didn't know it until about you know until Christmas time started. But the American Girl, doll, oh, that's huge. That series, that's huge. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. So you know we we uh we missed a mortgage payment uh you know trying to trying to afford that under the tree this year so that that was the big thing and so but it was worth it watching her eyes lit up and um and she you know she hasn't put it down since so it's it's been pretty good you know santa claus helps in those areas too matt you know what i mean <laughs> just so you know i know, yeah. I, know. I, I, need, I need the assist from the big guy next year uh, yeah, yeah gonna thank say. you jake for clarifying that yeah, i want to make sure that people knew that yeah hey uh matt I'm really intrigued, and I want to—I want you to be the voice of reason for me here, which Santa can help you with that too, I guess. But I have nothing against Nick Foles. I think he's been a fine player in the NFL, seemingly a, just a really good person. I don't think you know, and a leader. But to me, it's very—I'm intrigued by this move to go to Nick Foles because. If you think Nick Foles gives you a better chance to win, then why didn't you make that move when the game's still counted? And if you feel like now you're in a position where you're just simply needing to see what guys can do since the games don't count, essentially, since they're out of the playoff contention, then wouldn't they be better off going back to what they told us was the better thing to do and going to Sam Ellinger? Sell me on Nick Foles. Yeah, I, I think I don't really think it's a matter of I think at least mindset from Jeff Saturday and the coaching staff. I don't think it's a mindset of the games matter, they 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 don't matter, or you know you're mathematically alive or you're not mathematically alive. I think I think after that Vikings game, listen, any any time you give up a 33 point lead and it's the the, the biggest you know the most historical uh, comeback in NFL history against you, and you know the offense is continuing to be inefficient you know you're not scoring in the red zone you're one of the worst red zone teams in the nfl on offense you know you're one for four who would have thought that you know up 33 points you'd be looking back on the first half and saying man if they only did this or could have would have should have but i mean the colts could have been up 50 to nothing in that first half had they been better inside the red zone because they had to kick three field goals at or inside the viking 10 yard line in that first half so it's just sort of, I think you know what the book is offensively with that unit. Unfortunately, with Matt Ryan as the quarterback, you've had a high amount of turnovers. You've had a bunch of missed opportunities. You know, you're not pushing the ball down the field. So I think Jeff Saturday was pretty candid in saying, you know, we're just looking for a spark. We're looking for, we're looking to change anything at our disposal. 
and right now they're turning to Nick Foles to hopefully generate some more vertical passing game and, and take away teams from playing them so close to the line of scrimmage, try to be better inside the red zone. And again, whether the games matter or not, you know, in terms of the math and playoff implications, they're just going to make a change because what they've seen so far these last, you know, really since Jeff Saturday's been here, you know, they're one and four since, since he took over, but in game losing streak, um, they're just not playing with a high degree of efficiency on offense. So they're just trying to tweak anything they can at, at, at their disposal. And that's why they're turning to, to uh, Nick Foles in this juncture. Matt, well, one more on the Foles front from me. You know, obviously arm strength and velocity, that's been well documented. I, I, frankly, I just think physically uh, all the hits Matt Ryan's taken this season took its toll, and, and he just doesn't have the same velocity that he had back in September. But I'm curious, too, like Foles is a 10-year vet. Foles is 60-some starts in the NFL. What can he do for you mentally? I mean, he's the one that's been in this offense. You know, the, the, this is not a new offense to him. Um there's no way this doesn't sound as a criticism of Matt Ryan, so I'll just say it. I just didn't feel like Ryan gave you the Philip Rivers 15-year vet, 37-year-old chess match guy at the line of scrimmage that you were thinking you were getting, um, that you needed to get, the free rushers, those sorts of things. Not not, not taking advantage of that. I'm curious if tonight you see Foles help you out in that area at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, too, and, and I'll be candid in, in saying that only a handful of times this year did I see the Colts' offense operate aesthetically like I thought it was going to at the beginning of the season or when the Colts signed Matt Ryan in terms yeah, of quick quick rhythm, short passing game, you know, move the sticks, get into short down and distances, you know, be in favorable third downs um, and, and not take a lot of sacks because Phillip Rivers didn't take a lot of sacks because he got he got rid of the ball so quickly. Um, you know, and Nick Foles talked about that this week. This this season has been a complete 180 for him in terms of how he thought it was going to go or, you know, what he was sold on. He was sold on to be the backup quarterback with Frank Reich, and he was going to be here for multiple years, all of those things. Well, you know, Marcus Brady's not here anymore. Frank's not here anymore. The offense certainly doesn't look like we thought it was going to um, at the beginning of the season. And you're right, he has played in this system. I mean, he won a Super Bowl with this system. So I don't think this week is going to be all too stressful for him in terms of the, the mental side of the game coming in and, and getting up to speed with everything that's going to be thrown on his plate this week. And I asked Jeff Saturday about it. You know, it's the first time really that he's thrown to the first team skill players on offense because he was the number two guy all of training camp. And then since the regular season started, He's been the scout team quarterback, and he sort of downplayed that. And, and I do agree with him. It's, you know, listen, it's you can get up to speed real quick with Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce and Jelani Woods and, and those guys. I mean, you know, if, if you know the offense like the back of your hand, like Nick Foles does, you know, you can get up to speed real quick with the Jimmys and Joes around you. So from that standpoint, I don't think it's going to be a problem. But I will be really interested tonight to see if the Colts offense does look a little bit more like the 2020 version of this team because that's seemingly and in terms of recent past that that's when they were at their best with Phillip Rivers getting rid of the ball quickly you know making quick decisions diagnosing things very uh, very rapidly and and letting playmakers make plays so we'll see how that translates tonight with Nick Foles getting his opportunity so Nick Foles is obviously Matt Matt Taylor the voice of the Colts is our guest he's on the Payless Liquors hotline Colts Chargers tonight Lucas Oil Stadium Monday Night Football uh, Nick Foles is obviously the big storyline in terms of players 
that are making a, a change or getting more reps. Is there anybody that kind of flew under that radar that all of a sudden you looked at the depth chart or you looked at the week in practice and said, you know what, this guy's going to get his number called perhaps more than what we have seen, and I'm intrigued by that. Anybody jump out in that category? Yeah, I think it's Jelani Woods because, I mean, the, the obvious reason is because Kylan Grant is not going to play. Um, so, you're, you know, your number one is going to be Mo Alley-Cox still on the depth chart anyways. But, you know, Jelani Woods just hasn't had a high degree of snap count, um, and I think that he needs to. I, I really do. I think that he needs to. And I know that, that Rick agrees with me, Rick Venturi. I think Alec Pierce and I think Jelani Woods, they not only have to play big for their development, but if the Colts want to win down the stretch, and you could say that's the last couple of games, they needed to be more involved, especially in the vertical passing game. And obviously, you know, I don't want to double back on, on what I said, but, you know, that that just didn't happen in the second half against the Vikings. And you kind of wondered, you know, where those two guys were. I'm sure they were part of the game plan, but they just weren't able to execute getting those guys big chunk plays. So I, I think Jelani Woods, obviously from a you know role standpoint tonight, is going to play more. But I would love to see him get, you know, four or five catches for 60, 70 yards because I think it's instrumental for those guys to come up big or have that big of a production in order for the Colts to have a chance to win in these final three weeks and also get them some momentum and get them feeling good going into the offseason as they continue to develop towards their sophomore years. But I think Jelani Woods has a chance to play really big tonight and show that he's really kind of turned the corner from a guy that was feeling his way through through training camp and kind of finding his role through the first half of the season to now just being a stud with his versatility and his athleticism within this Colts offense down the stretch. Yeah, and honestly, if there's personnel that Nick Foles has actually worked with, at least in training camp, that's right. Woods and Pierce would fall into that group. They were more of the second teamers, whereas you That's know right. Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell, Mo Ali Cox, more of the first teamers. Again, voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rick Venturi himself and Lara Overton. They've got you at eight fifteen tonight. May tell you this is a dumb question, so I apologize for asking it. Um, and the fact that the week started with the Colts still mathematically alive in the playoff hunt, it's not like they game plan for the week you know, thinking they were officially eliminated. But do you think either tonight or at any point in the final two weeks of the season, you see any approach to playing more young guys? It's a 53-man roster. It's not like you can totally go that path. But do you think now that the elimination has happened, we see any of that? Granted, Jeff Saturday is, you know, on a very, very short, short, short-term short deal. So, uh, right. again, probably a dumb question, but I thought I'd throw it out there. No, I mean, I, I listen, I think it's it's worth being brought up. And, you know, once once things kind of started to spiral out of control, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, that's 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 things that we brought up as well. You know, are, are there things to be looked at and experimented with? And, you know, the Pearson Woods conversation got brought up. Um, I just don't know at this point, maybe I'm missing something. I'm, I'm really trying to have the roster in front of me, but I just don't know what else you can do at this point. I mean, outside of, you know, playing a guy like, you know, Byron Cowart more or, yeah. you know, you, you, you play, um, you know, Rodney Thomas exclusively at safety over Rodney McLeod, just things like that. Just just going for the young guy over the, the veteran guys just because. Uh, outside of doing that, I just don't know what else you can do um, with this with this team. And that said, and I know I know people are going to roll their eyes at this, and I know people are continuously 
you know, moving towards the draft and draft order and, and thinking about the spring, and I totally get it. But the Colts are still trying to win, and Jeff Saturday is still trying to prove that he is worthy of this job and, and wants to come back. And also, too, I mean, you know, I, I spoke with Julian Blackman the other day, and this is the, these last three games are just opportunities. They're opportunities to continue to go out and play and, and to get better and to also prove that you belong on this team for next year and that you belong on the field, you know, for 31 other teams. You know, your tape is your resume. And uh, I think that's the opportunity that these guys are looking at, you know, these last three games is let's just go continue to play. Let's continue to get better. And let's prove to, you know, the, the powers that be in the off season, if there's a coaching change or whatever, but let's prove to the next staff, if you will, in the spring that, you know, I, I belong here. And then I belong on a, on a 2023 team that's going to you know, retool, rebuild and, and go after it next year, certainly in a different approach. Um, so I just don't know what else you can do within this roster. Jeff Saturday kind of talked about that this week as well. I mean, with, with Nick Foles in mind, you, you can't change the playbook. There's just not a lot, a lot of time to really make major changes. So I just don't know what else you can do personnel-wise these last three games to, to really shake things up other than just playing the young guys for the sake of young guys playing so that they get more experience and more development going forward. Has Matt – in your opinion or your observation, you know, Jeff Saturday, when he was hired as the interim coach, and I think the Colts were banking on this a little bit, Jeff Saturday has some cachet. The players know him because he had played with Peyton Manning and because he's on ESPN. Probably the latter would be the reason that most of them know him the best. Um, and the fans like him because, obviously, who doesn't like Jeff Saturday? But at some point, you've got to transition from your credibility being just about what you've done away from coaching into then convincing guys, look, I'm the coach here and I'm going to make decisions and I'm going to do things. And maybe you can even be overcompensatory in that regard. Have you seen any sort of a transformation of Jeff Saturday? Yeah, I have. I mean, he, he really is. He's a man of his word in terms of holding guys accountable. Um, he, he really doesn't care that he's only the interim coach. Um, he's going to do this like he is, the head guy and it was just given a you know a five-year contract or whatever the case i mean he's he's doing it his way um he's being true to himself and his own character and and i think guys have, have come in and respect that it's it's really a unique dynamic because obviously anytime you take over as the interim coach things didn't go well or things are not going well and you can't just come in snap your fingers and change everything overnight and and rebuild a culture and rebrand the identity of the locker room but I think he's slowly – I think he's done that, and I think guys have really respected Jeff um, because they know that he took over this situation in a very unique uh, way. And I, I think over time, despite the record being what it is, guys are really kind of buying into Jeff and, and responding well to him. Um, and he, he is a player's coach because he's a, he, you know, he's a former player, so he understands the grind and all the wear and tear these guys go through. But he's also a guy that's not just going to be a pushover. And he's not just going to say, well, I'm here for eight weeks and, you know, it was fun while it lasted. No, he's running this thing like as, as if he was the guy, you know, for 2023 and beyond, even though he's going to have to interview for it in the offseason like everybody else. Um, so I, I really do think that the locker room has bought into Jeff and has respect to him. 
But unfortunately, you know, this season has just been, you know, it is what it is. And I hate saying that, but it's just been, you know, one of those really disappointing years where nothing's gone right. And even a 33-point lead the other day is not safe. And so, you know, when you have a season like that, um, everything gets looked at, you know, externally and says, well, this is not working or that needs to change. Um, I just think that the guys have, have really kind of bought into Jeff. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what to, to what degree that's changed in terms of preparation or, um, you know, getting guys ready for games, things like that. But I do know that, that Jeff is not just going through the motions and is letting things slide, even though they're out of the playoff picture. He's really holding guys accountable and he's, he's fun loving Jeff and he's, he's, um, you know, charismatic Jeff, I think to the media, but I think behind the scenes, he's definitely holding guys accountable and he's not being their best friend because that's just what Jeff Saturday does. Fresh off an American Girl Dollar 2 purchase, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joins us here <laughs> on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Mayte, the Chargers would be on my short list of teams that I really, really enjoy watching. I think they're a very entertaining bunch. I was saying to Jake earlier, they've got a lot of unique pieces. Herbert, very unique at quarterback. Austin Eckler, very unique at running back. Derwin James on defense, now that he's back in the lineup. Versatile, mm-hmm. lines up all, all over the place. And Brandon Staley, he will go for it on fourth down all over the field. So, um, I get it. There are Colts fans that are a bit torn right now. If nothing else, you're going to see a team that is, um, again, I think one of the more um, kind of outliers, if there's such a thing in the NFL. Again, playing for a playoff berth tonight. Uh, but I think this is going to be just a fun test from an opponent standpoint. Yeah, I agree. The Chargers are fun. You know, I don't get to see them play a lot, but watching them on film, getting ready for this game, you're exactly right. All of those things are true. I mean, Herbert's going to throw it 40 times. So it's going to be a long game tonight uh, because of all the pass attempts. But Herbert can extend plays. He's deceptively athletic. He's got a great arm. Um, He's averaging 40 attempts per game for his career. He actually has the most attempts in NFL history by a player in their first three years in the NFL. And he's also the first quarterback ever to throw for over 4,000 yards in each of his first three seasons. So there's going to be a lot of passing tonight. Eckler is so good at uh, being able to create in space. They use him more as a pass catcher than a running back, as you said. Leads all NFL running backs and and catches and receiving yards uh, since he broke into the NFL as an undrafted player. And then on defense, yeah, it's James. And then they don't have Joey Bosa, but... You know, they, they do have uh, Khalil Mack. They've got Van Noy. He's coming on more as an edge player now. And then Staley, yeah, he'll go forward on fourth down on your 20, on his 20, with two minutes to go in the, the third quarter or five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. I mean, they're a very analytical team. Um, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be entertaining. And as you said, if they win tonight, they'll make the playoffs for the first time since 2018. And then the national setting will get Justin Herbert into the playoffs for the first time. Um, you know, as he kind of continues to to chase the spotlight of a Patrick Mahomes or some of these other young quarterbacks. But, yeah, his first chance to play at Lucas Oil Stadium tonight in prime time. And so from that standpoint, the Chargers are fun. They do play a very entertaining brand of football. And so we'll see how it all kind of plays out tonight against a team for the Colts that hopefully can relish, you know, playing a spoiler role and, uh, you know, put those playoff aspirations on hold for another week. Fact or fiction, Matt? Tonight you will see the best uniforms of any visiting team in the NFL. Oh, I got to say fiction on that one. I mean, they're good. They are. I, they're good. But I, I, like the, I like the classics of, like, the Chiefs or the Packers. 
Um, you know, you knew. I mean, they're good. The, Don't get me wrong. They're good. They're going to, they're probably going to line up in like the, the baby blues, the Carolina blues, and the maybe the gold pants. But the, the charge, the new look Charger helmets are pretty sweet. I got to give you that. You know, when it comes to the classic uniforms, and I was a late, 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 late bloomer on this one, but I've got to admit, and it's only been that I've become old and cantankerous, the, Ra- <laughs> the Raiders are pretty strong, man. Oh, yeah. You know what's funny is when I when I was a college football player at Franklin College, my my uh, my head football coach rebranded our entire look to be the Raiders. We had the shield, and we had our the, our, our, our uniforms weren't the same colors, but from a design standpoint, we looked just like the Raiders, and I loved it. Yeah, heck yeah. Matt Taylor's Bill Romanowski <laughs> started taking a, started taking a bunch of transfers that were cast offs from Earlham and Hanover that nobody wanted. <laughs> Yeah, all the all the all the all the number two guys from Manchester came down. We just balled out. All the the rogue Goshen players got booted out of school. <laughs> Kelly Leak pulling up on his bike. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey well, Matt, our special, our special teams units literally were, were called Raider Force. So I'm not making it up. Beautiful. God, that's awesome. Beautiful. Hey, Merry Christmas, man, and uh, enjoy tonight. Enjoy the call of Monday Night Football. I know it's probably not. The same merits and stakes that you had anticipated at the beginning of the year, but it's still called Monday Night Football, so enjoy it. No, that's exactly right. Yep, it's just another opportunity to have fun, get behind the mic, and uh, and have some fun at prime time. That's, that's exactly right. Matt Thanks, Taylor, man. voice of the Colts on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Jake, I forgot. Who, who won your um, – was it the Chargers? 